podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham CC. Um, as ever, I'm joined today by Salman Ali from North London. Hi, Sal. Good evening, Dan. Evening, Sal. How are you? You well? I'm very well, thank you. You well? Yeah, battling on. But I've just played a bit of football, Sal. 90 minutes worth of Vets football. So I'm um, I'm taking on liquids to make sure I don't keel over. It was pretty pretty warm out there. So um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm good, but uh, feeling a little a little fragile. Um, that aside, also very pleased to welcome another debutante to the podcast uh, from a side that are, are flying high, actually, in the County League, in Division 3. Um, that's North London. And I'm pleased to welcome uh, North London's captain, Alan O'Shea. Alan, how are you? Hi, yeah, I'm all right. Thank you, Dan. I've um, also been out in the heat, slightly sunburned, but apart from that. Goes to the territory, doesn't it? I believe we're going to have some rain in the form of thunderstorms at some point, folks. And I don't know about you guys, but I think it's a good thing. Our square at Twickenham... It's a bit like the Sahara Desert at the moment, so a, a bit of water on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday would be would be no bad thing. Um, right, let's dive into um, like dive into what we've got. Sal, interesting week in the Premier League. Do you want to talk us through what we've got? Sure, I'll go ahead. So um, definitely, the result of the day was Crouch End beating Teddington. Uh, fantastic. Uh, well, game four, obviously Crouch End for, for their bowlers in particular. Um, definitely a game of two halves, as they, as they say, in, 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 in football and sports. Um, just to mention here, two new recruits for Crouching played a massive part in the game. Um, Simon Jackson with 32 runs, which in the context of the day was a fantastic knock. And then you signed Apps Carano, who took four for 21. Uh, the wicket obviously favoured spin. I know Dan will be annoyed by this. There were 29 extras um, bowled by Tennington, so that never helped. On to uh, Ealing, obviously, who are still looking very strong at the moment. And they had a convincing win against Finchley. Star of the show was new recruit Ben Graves, who hit 103. And on their tails at the minute, obviously, Hampstead and North Middlesex. North Middlesex, with their two fantastic young boys at the, at the top of the innings, Cracknell and Holman, put on one two, five for the first wicket. And then Luke Holman dominated the game after that with a big century and also took 5.49. And... On to uh, Richmond, actually. Richmond, who, who um, hadn't won a game all season until last weekend, finally got a win on the, on the, on, on the board. Thanks mainly to the captain, Will Phillips, of a fantastic 100, despite the best efforts of our um, guest from last week, James Overy, who scored 76, but it was all in vain. And then finally, Dan and you know, Eugene Sy Twickenham, who had another bad day at the office away at Hampstead, where the game was over pretty quickly from all accounts. And it was mainly down to the fact that Twickenham, from being 60 for one, were bowled out for just over 100. And that total was nowhere near strong enough for Cap- for Hampstead's strong batting island, which included 58 not out from their captain, Callum Jackson. So, yeah, that's that's the Premier League. Just a quick mention as well to mm-hmm. um, uh, for Sherwood's Bush to um, Joe, Joe Carrasco, and also a new recruit who, who hit 91 in, in their game against North Mid Bowl. And all Ealing still stay at the top, but the pack are in there behind them. I think there's five sides all in 21 points. So it's definitely a table of two halves at the moment, looking at, looking at how many points each club has. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating sort of first half of the, of the season done already. Yeah. I mean, I'll, you say that first half of the season done. Wow. It's going quickly, isn't it? Um, 
I was, I was interested by a couple of those results, Sal. I mean, the North Middlesex one, I mean, I, you know, I get that Holman and Cracknell are going to make a massive difference. They're great players and 340 is a hell of a total. Um, but Shepherds Bush didn't chase it very well, did they, really? 177 all out. I, th- I thought they might have made more of a fist of it. Was that, was that your view on it? Um, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think the North Mid attack was probably quite well balanced. They had Luke, obviously, bowls leg spinner. Alex McQueen's a good off spinner. And they've got the young guys who are open the bowl in Teasdale and Max Harris. So the attack was a quite strong attack. So for Sheriff's Bush, you get anywhere in that total left to back really, really well. And obviously, apart from Joe Carrasco, who I mentioned, not many players really made much impact on that on that attack. So, you know, the, the old adage is always get runs on the board. And obviously, North Middlesex did that. And I think Sheriff's Bush always behind the rate. And it was going to be some effort to even get close to that. And then that obviously was not the case, um, as, as, as they saw. So obviously... The, the, the crouching game is, is a fascinating game. I mean, as a club four mm. years ago, we were playing championship cricket and now they're beating a side which are, you know, renowned nationally for, for being one of the, you know, forefathers of club cricket almost. Um, so it, it just shows you where you can come in for some hard work and dedication behind the scenes where you can, where, where you can club and take. Obviously, the wicket was favouring spin. I think nine of the ten, ten of the wickets fell to spin. And, you mm. know... Is, you know, it's, it's one of the sort of fairy tale results that we look for in the season. So, fair play to Crouch, and I'm sure Tedinson will be, you know, looking to bounce back next weekend. But yeah, it was a good day all round for for Hiran and his guys in, in Crouch End. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- th- there's winning the game, and then there's there's bowling Ted at night for 66, and, and particularly given all the runs Teddington have managed to score this year, admittedly slightly different batting line at this time round. But um, that 47 run victory, I'm sure, will go down in, in folklore. Um, at the Calthorpe ground because it's it's a phenomenal performance. Um, Richmond Bronsbury, yeah, Overs did pretty well, didn't he? It was, it was a good knock there for Bronsbury, but um, they got close and they twenty three runs um, away from Richmond's target. I mean, is that what you sort of expected to see? Bronsbury, they've been threatening a bit, haven't they? But they keep getting close without getting that cigar. Yeah, I mean, I following the game on, on on Saturday, and again, it was just a case of obviously with Will at the top for Richmond, putting up a good score, competitive score. I think Bronze are always just behind the rate and in that kind of cricket, if you're losing wickets and you're behind the rate, it just gets harder and harder. And that seems to be the case. Obviously, James James, James did his best to try and get his side close to the total. And I know there was, there was some runs down the order as well from one of their guys who, who hit 50. But I think if you're, if you're behind the rate and you're losing wickets on a regular basis, it gets so much harder. And fair play to Richmond. Yeah. You know, again, it's a side that we wouldn't normally see. I mean, in the last couple of years, you know, as Will mentioned to me last week, they are given some of the younger players some opportunities to play. Some of the twos players are playing on the side, and and they all come out really with some good performances. And you know, it must be really pleasing for him to to, to lead the side to that to their first win. Uh, admittedly, against the side who hadn't won either, but you know, it, it's just good to get the points on the board for him. And hopefully, this could be some kind of springboard for for the side for the rest of the season. Oh, I hope not. They're playing Twickenham next week. None of that talk. Um, <laughs> no, I think you're Let's right. Let's come to I, your I guys. To, yeah, well, do, do we have to? Um, yeah, I mean, I, we were struggling a bit and um, we, we didn't have the strongest sides out, I'll be honest with you. But 60 for one, Anjman Aladad, who's an, an Afghan refugee who's joined us for about four or five years ago, hardly, hardly knew anything about the game and, and he's, he's playing Steve Finn pretty well. Um, but as soon as he gets out, I'm afraid that the, the batting fell away quite quite badly and Hampstead Rolls Royce of a side, you know, they're, they're a great, great team and they'll be no doubt looking at where Ealing are. I think they'll be right up the top 
by the time we get to week nine. So, so in that sense, losing the hamster is no disgrace. But we, we were a bit disappointed we didn't put more on the board, and that's something we're gonna we're gonna be looking at. I should say, I mean, we're hopeful we're a bit stronger this week. Um, Rashid Mullazad is back after three weeks away. Got five for against Crouch End and was away for three weeks. Um, Blake Cullen will be playing uh, from a Middlesex player. He's he's joined us, so we're certainly hopeful our bowling will be a bit stronger. And we've got a little bit of better availability elsewhere. So we'll probably lose by 10 wickets to Richmond now. But I, th- I think on paper, we should be a bit stronger. And we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to local derby, obviously. And, and it's, it's an opportunity to get, you know, to get back on, get back on the horse, really. Um, and every respect to, Stan- to Hampstead, one thing I would say about Hampstead is we, we, we noticed um, their outfield is phenomenal now. Uh, I know they put a lot of money in, into that and they've looked after it. But um, it, it's, if you want a good outfield, it's been well in, you know, it's money well invested. Have you been there, guys, at all? You've been to Hampstead this season? I haven't. No, I will plan to get there at some point during the season, but not not myself. No. Oh, it's yeah. That that outfield is is a bee's knees. Every respect. I, I believe it's cost a lot of money, but um, you know, it, it's 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 as good as you'll find anywhere um, in the league now. This coming Saturday, then Sal, there are a couple of other not not just Twickenham Richmond to talk about. There are a couple of other interesting games, aren't there? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Ealing Hampstead stands out to two of the you know strongest clubs in the league for the last few years, taking each other head to head at Corfton Road. Uh, it should be a fascinating game. Ealing, obviously, you know, they're top. They're in great form. I mean, I didn't mention, obviously, Scott, Scott Ensign, another player who who's, deserves a mention at the moment mm. just due, due, due to his outstanding performance the week in, week out. And Christian Martin last week, you know, firmly believes that he's the best all-round in, in the league and rates him really <laughs> high as, as a player. So he's obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. come on leaps and bounds and he's obviously going to be a massive player on Saturday. But, you know, as you said, as you said yourself, Hampstead, they're getting back to... The, the availability and, and the strength they normally put out week in week out. Last year they ran North and six, you know, second place in the table. So that should be a really really interesting game. And actually, funny enough, the Hampstead the only side I noticed who actually chose to bowl first on Saturday. So that's a brave call, but obviously it worked out. Obviously the game was over pretty quickly. So be interesting to see what tactics they adopt on Saturday if it's another sort of hot weekend. And then the other one is um, Sheriff Bush Tennyson, both sides who lost, and we'll be looking to get back on the winning pedal, um, you know, in terms of yep. getting some points back on the board and putting pressure on the sides at the top. So, again, I mean, I think some yep. of this also factors down to availability from the middle sets guys. You know, if Tedder can add Robson Gomez to their, to their lineup, then obviously it's it's a massive difference in terms of what they might put out in, in, on a regular week. But you know, it'd be interesting to see mm-hmm. how those fixtures play out. Yeah. I mean, my gut feeling is we probably won't see them too frequently in the future because Middlesex will obviously be playing quite a lot of cricket. But as you say, if they turn out, they'll make a difference. Um, in terms of Ealing Hampstead, I'm going to put you on the spot, Sal. Where's your money? Oh, you've got me now, Dan, haven't Tough you? One. Tough okay. one. No, I mean, it's okay. So, I think the toss could be important because uh, if, if, we, if we have a dry week and the weather state, I mean, again, we, we're talking about, you know, Improbable here. What's the what's the availability like for both sides? You know, what's where we're going to be like? Who wins the toss? I'm actually I'm going to I'm going to be brave here, and I'm going to say that I'm going to go with Hampstead here. You know, I've got a feeling Hampstead might be might be a side to keep an eye on. I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, I haven't seen too much of them, but you you you, you know that you, you can follow them online. But obviously, playing myself, it's not that easy to do. So, but I've got a feeling Hampstead might be might be a team to watch. But then again, you know, you betting against Ealing. Not not normally a, a sensible game, is it? So I think it could be an could be a, an absolute cracker. So one to keep a keep an eye on. Um, moving on from the Prem, uh, lots going on as ever in divisions two to four. 
Um, if you want the full lowdown on the results, of course, then they're all on the Middlesex County League website. Paul Smith does an excellent job of keeping that all shipship. I know there's been a little bit of trouble transferring results across from play cricket this week. So there might look like there are one or two slightly quirky results in there. Um, but um, but Paul's working on those uh, and hopefully they'll be all sorted in, in the next 24 hours. But uh, in general, everything absolutely spick and span there. A couple of things caught my eye. Stan Moore, they, they rumble on at the top of Division 2. Um, again, spoke to Tush um, Carrier, the, the captain, and he said again they didn't play very well this week and they were playing bottom of the table Wembley and they got home by one wicket. The evergreen Mark Rheingold was there at the end to see them home. But this is, you know, it's a Wembley side that's been struggling and, and Tush was pretty straight down the line. He said, we played some poor cricket, but the top of the table. So that, that's got to be the sign of a good team. Um, also saw Enfield, that they're up and running with their first win of the season and quite a few junior cricketers to the fore. Um, I, I know that, that they've got a good, a good keeper who's only 18 years old, who's um, worth keeping an eye on. And, and um, certainly they're, they're, they're much happier than they were seven days ago. Good performance and, and they're pleased to be, um, to be up and running. Division three, well, Al, this, this is your domain. North London, you're flying high, right? Good win this weekend. Do you want to talk to us about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good one. We... Um... It was a bit of a strange one. We, we played the Tamils um, and so we'd sort of done a fair bit in, in training in the week about, you know, taking high catches, um, bowling when the, the batters were perhaps putting a bit of pressure on you. Um, but we, uh, as it turned out, actually, we, um, I think eight of the 10 wickets that fell were bold or LBW. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Two, the two catches, one was through to the keeper and one was at first slip. Um, so actually it, was, it wasn't it was quite Tamils how we expected it, um, yeah. to be honest. Actually, a lot of that I think is credit to Freddie and Will. We, we only used two bowlers in the end. Um, both bowled fantastically, bowled really tightly. Um, so Fred ended up taking six and, and Will took four. And, um, and how many overs was that, Al? It was probably, what, 15 or so, 20? It was 20 overs. 17, 17.1, I think we bowled in the end. Right. Um, so we were bowled out and Fred was into his last over. Um, and we, yeah, I mean, I think people were, were quite happy with, um, I think even the bowlers who didn't get a go were quite happy with the way they turned up, given that I don't think t- people were too keen on fielding in the 34-degree heat, having lost mm. the toss. Um, but no, it went it went really well. So we had we got about seventy five, and then um, Milo and Will at the top of the order got their um, we got their none down. They both scored a fair few runs already this season. Um, mm-hmm. So it was great. Basically, there were I mean seven of us who did nothing to it possibly reduced to five if you count the two guys who took catches. Um, it was quite nice. We spent the afternoon having a net and then wandering around looking at all the all the other games going on. And I mean, lots of TFCs over time can be a bit of a pain in the bum, but they can't be a pain in the bum when you've just gone top of the league and you've bowled the Oppo out of 75. I'm sure everybody's uh, keen to have victory beers then, right? Well, I think that's right. It was victory pims. I believe the club's now out of pims, actually. So what's happening? Pim... <laughs> This is not the North London I remember from a decade or so ago. It was very much an ale, an ale and lager club, but all good. I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, so, so did you expect to be top of the league at this point? So we ended up finishing third last season. Um, and we could have gone up on the last day, actually, if it had a, another result gone our way. 
um, off the back of winning, I think it was we won six of our last seven games. Right. Um, and the team we brought through into this season is is effectively the same team who played the back end of last year, except with the addition of uh, Milo Jennings, who was a cult with us, who spent a couple of years living up north. Um, he played good cricket in the uh, Bradford Leagues and I think the Cheshire Leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's come back, I mean, he was a good player when he left. He's come back even better. Um, so he's been a great addition. And we've also brought in um, a fellow called Will Jones, who was playing in the Hertfordshire Leagues last year. Um, who's come down to do a bit of, I mean, he's playing with us, he's also doing a bit of coaching. Um, he's, in a way, playing that sort of overseas role. Um, and, like, he's been brilliant. Um, he's a very good bowler, very good batsman. So we had a winning team already and then managed to add two very good players to it. So, um, to be honest with you, I was sort of expecting slash hoping we'd be here Um few games into the season. Well, I can see why. If you had a good season last year and you built on it, then that's that's got to be a, a reason to be positive, hasn't it? And um, and ultimately, you, you, it sounds like you've got good availability as well. You've not you've not been sort of massively hit by by, by COVID dropouts or anything. It's still very much the same no, sort of squad. Yeah, I mean, we fortunately actually, I think we've only used thirteen players. I think um, in the first team so far, and I think we've had the, the same eleven out three or four times if you include the preseason friendly. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, everyone's been. I think in in a in a funny way, actually, the the fact that we've got a reduced season has actually made everyone so keen to get as much cricket in as they can. So no one wants to miss any weekend. Um, so perversely, it sort of I think helped us in that in that respect. Um, but yeah, no, very very promising. Um, everyone's happy. Um. And it's just it's great to keep winning, isn't it? Really, absolutely. And it is a, winning's a bit of a drug. Once you get on a roll, people get used to it, and they get over the line. I was talking about Stanmore earlier, and and Tush was saying very much there that you know winning's sort of the thing that they've been doing, even though they're not been playing very well. So um, you, you can sometimes get away with stuff when you have a bad day, and you'll get over the line if the, if the team spirit's good, if the dressing room's strong, and and, and you, you just you just know you're going to do it somehow. Um, yeah. And your role yeah. in all this. Yeah, momentum. That's the classic word, isn't it? But that's absolutely <laughs> what it is. And I'm right in saying that you've come all the way through then. You started with North London as a junior. Have you played in all of the North London sides or, or all of the senior sides or, or, or just most of them? Yeah, no. That, um, I, so I um, I think I've managed to avoid the sixth for Lemon. I think that's the only team I haven't <laughs> yet got. Um, but there's time. There's still time. Um, yeah, no, I joined North London. I think I was um, eight or nine years old. Um, so I was a junior there and then obviously as a bit of a cricket badger started playing some of the senior stuff and I was 13, 14 in the fifth 11 yeah. um, sort of slowly crept my way up um, as Salman would know encountered Sal in the second team there for a little bit um, in fact I remember Sal dropping a I think I dropped a catch on my debut which robbed you of a fiver if I remember that rightly. Or maybe you went and on Sal- to get the five afterwards. But I'm amazed that Salma's uh, let you darken North London's door ever again after such a heinous yeah. crime. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember this, Sal? Um, you- yeah, I do. I do. It was against Glatso. It was the last game of the season. And um, 
Glaxo, we were down and out right? batting. Yeah. yeah, we were down and out batting wise, and I think the last sort of two wickets put on almost seventy eighty to give us a chance, and then um, we bowled them out for obviously well below what we'd scored. But I think I took seven that day. If I'm going to be too um, oh. modest about that, and and Al did drop one, but I think he took two afterwards, so I let him off. He's off the hook now. Yeah. Could have been eight though, Sal. <laughs> it could have been eight. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> performance, Al, 7 for in anyone's book. Fair play to you. Um, so how long have you been in the first team, Al? Have you been there a few years now? Um, well, I sort of was I was in and out, in and out um, for a while now. I actually, last season, was captaining the twos um, at the start of the season. Um, although then after about five or six games, um, I was back up and sort of left the, the vice captain there in the... Um, you know, sort of steered the ship towards the iceberg and jumped mm. off, um, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, and then um, to our skipper from last year, who's actually done, I think he did the previous three or four, Sam Barden, um, he's still around, he's still playing, um, he's still really keen. So it's it's also great to actually have him in the side as well um, with his senior kind of experience um he's a great help and he actually he'd hate me for saying it he's i think he's the only lad in the team so far this season over the age of 30 mm. um so yeah yeah good stuff well i think it's interesting you say that about the captaincy because um uh, a good friend of mine at home where i'm from in shropshire always said that three years is the right time span for, for a captain um, some go a bit longer, um, some may go two years, but after that, it, you know, it's often good for, for the captain to, to step back and then just go back in the, in the ranks and rejuvenate the batteries, but also good for the club as well to, to keep developing. Not that it always happens like that, but I think once you've done three years, you've got every right to step back if you want to, because it, it's a taxing job, yeah. as, I'm, as I'm sure you find out. Even when you're winning, it's still taxing, isn't it? You've just got to make decisions <laughs> and uh, um, stuff happens that you need to sort out. There's also that sort of theory, I think, about, I think it it relates to all sports about, I think they say you can have a team for three or four years before you need to refresh the team. Yep. Um, and not that our team in any way needs refreshing or anything, um, but I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that. The, the kind of the team built, they have their ideas, they, they work towards a common goal. And then eventually I think you just sort of, you try new ideas, you try something different, a few different players. Um, I think that's a sort of, that three or four years tends to be the cycle, I think, really. Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I totally get get that angle. Um, and so moving forward, who do you see as your biggest competitors this season? I guess Wickham House would be the main one, right? Is that is that the way you see it? Or do you see somebody coming out of the pack to challenge you guys? Yeah, I think it's... I mean, certainly Wickham House, they've been spoken about a lot. And actually, we got them last game of the season. Um <sighs> Yeah, away away at theirs. Um, so that could be that could be a good one, one to look forward to. Um, but I mean, there's this Division Three. Having played this for a few years, it's always very competitive. Um, anyone seems to be able to beat anyone on their day. And mm. we have got you know Uxbridge coming up this week. In Uxbridge, who managed, I saw they they, they beat East Coast quite comfortably last weekend. Mm. Um, East a very good team we played them and they, they were in the division in division two last year um we've still got you know south Hampstead to come um, dangerous side 
dangerous. Nish yeah, Patel, yeah. dangerous player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a banana skin if I've ever seen one. Yep. Um, and then, you know, we still got Southgate away. Southgate of good pedigree. They actually, they were the team who beat us last year in that little run I was talking about. Right. Um, so, I mean, they are, all, they are all good teams and it is, the league is very much one of those where if a team turns up on their day, they're able to beat anyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're still, we're still obviously confident and it's, it's great to have this kind of momentum and, and positive feeling um, yeah. at the moment. Um, yeah. So I, I'm happy I, I, to ride that as long as we can, really. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, I was just looking at this weekend's results because, I mean, Wickham has won and they, um, until 24 hours ago, were, were on the same points as you, but they, they've been deducted a point for not um, not doing the lines in between the innings. So that takes them one point behind you, which may or may not be consequential towards the end of the season. Exactly. But Funnily enough, we um, we nearly faced the same fate. Our, our groundsman was, um, he was ill this, this weekend, just gone. Um so we sort of prepared the ground and everything in the morning and it was only five minutes before the end of the, the, the tea break that um, Fred, our vice captain, plucked out and we thought, oh, well, hang on a minute, I'm pretty sure we need to repaint those lines. Um, so we quickly ran out there with paint and did it. So I think Fred, we are, you know, Fred's the reason we're top, I would say. Not only is six wickets, but it's quick thinking as well. Yeah. And it's also odd because people think, oh, one point, you get 10 points for a win. It doesn't really matter. But, but those little ones and twos, um, they can make a difference, of course, if you win the same number of games. So, so you yeah. know, definitely a good idea not to lose one for a silly. And you wouldn't be the first club, and Wickham House are not the first club to lose a point that way. Talking to them, they, 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 it sounds like they're in quite an entertaining encounter with Barnes. They basically lost at the weekend. I don't know if either of you guys saw the card, but um, they were chasing 140-odd, I, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah they did the odd not out to win it, didn't he? Did. Something. Yeah, yeah, they were they were chasing 155 and they were 65 for eight. And the number 10 went in, um, Talha Ma- uh, Malik, and he, um, well, use technical terminology, teed off. And he, he was 55, yeah. not he got 55 in 44 balls, but it um, it, it ultimately wasn't wasn't enough to to, to see them home. So, um, that they, they certainly gave it a good go and, and just just um, just about got over Brilliant. the line um, to, to claim yeah, their, their ten points. Say again. But he did see them home, didn't they? They they won. He did see them home. Yeah, no, he did see them home. Sorry, yeah, he did yeah. see them home. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was fifty-five not out of forty-four balls, five, four, three, sixes, um, and I, I think you know most teams would have. I wouldn't say given up the ghost because you never give up, but you have got to keep believing pretty strongly in your own ability at sixty-five to eight to go out for eight to go out and do that. So. <laughs> Every respect to him. Um, and I look forward to that last game of the season. And that sounds like it's going to be a, an absolute cracker uh, at your yeah. place. Worth, worth noting that one. Um, if we just move quickly into Division 4. Um, Division 4, not, not a lot in terms of close results, but I think the two, two of the best sides um, are Ealing Trail Finders and Kenton. That's come out in the last few weeks. Certainly, uh, Robbo mentioned a couple of weeks ago our, our Actonians uh, um uh, um, man, an expert on Division 4. He said the Kenton were the team to watch. They were very good last year. Um, and they beat Headstone Manor by 62 runs. Uh, Trailfinders beat um, Hanwell by nine wickets. And they're, they're the top two. And I suspect they might be the ones to beat. So um, worth keeping an eye on them in Division 4. Um, Sal, any any other results elsewhere that caught your eye? There were a, a couple that I saw. Um, did, you, did you pick up on any? No, just the ones you mentioned, really. Obviously, 
Stan Wembley game was one that stands out for me. I mean, Wembley obviously have struggled a season and managed to really make a real fist of it against Stanmore, who obviously, as you mentioned, have that winning habit and managed to sort of sneak home. But, it, it, you know, obviously it gives some sort of like um, incentive for Wembley to continue for the rest of the season with some sort of similar sort of gusto and hopefully manage to pick up some wins as, and on their way. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think another side we need to obviously mention is Harrison Marys, who are quietly going about their business. Ah, yeah. And, you know, they've obviously got their, I mean, Carwell Casmi on Saturday was a stand-up performer of 100. Superstar, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Took a few wickets. I mean, they're, they're a very dangerous side, especially at their place with, with, with you know, with a turning hot, dry wicket. It's going to be anything, any side that beats them at their place will be, have to be a very, very good side. But so they're, they're you know, they're, they're just behind the top two, obviously. Sort of like nudging away at the ankles in some way and hoping to sort of like make that make that sort of top position there there there's in the future. But yeah, so I mean they're, they're the stars at the minute who who I'm definitely thinking will be contesting that that table. And obviously Alan spoke about North London and they've had a good start mm-hmm. to season. But again, it's one of them tables and one of them divisions. Where Alan mentioned that on their day anyone can beat anyone really. So it's going to be going to the wire for sure. In terms of division two and makes, division three, makes for some entertaining cricket. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. And what about any other divisions, Sal? With the, the other teams, Is there anything that caught your eye there? Well, obviously, we have to mention Tam at second level again. Does... Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, Tam at second level, who, who obviously didn't manage to exceed their run total from two weeks ago, but still managed to put on almost over three hundred runs and beat Brent from second level by I think was it two hundred eight in the end? Was it? Um, two hundred eight run victory against Brentham. Yeah, yeah, and you know they're 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 they're. I mean, although saying this, I'll be interested to see this weekend how they get them against pro Phoenicians who play. I think in Hanwell at some kind of playing field. So if they can top three hundred, I'll take my half to them. Um, I'm not sure if the wicket will be as conducive as it's been for the last two weeks where they played their matches. So that'll be. I've, yeah. I've actually I've played there, Sal, and I can I can corroborate. It's not that easy to bat on. No, so not, so <laughs> anything over so three hundred and eight will be obviously a good score to sort of emulate. But yeah, they're they they they're enjoying their cricket by the looks of it. They've embraced. But may I suggest the town Hamlet? They're not going to die not knowing. I suspect they're going to give it a go. Uh, they're not going to be settling for a sturgid, you know, turgid one sixty. <laughs> I, I, I think they're going to be wanting to try and score three hundred every week. And best of luck to them. I think you could be probably right, Dan. I totally agree on that one. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, again, we've had some. some I mean, obviously, you want to come into this fascinating game in. The second, second was it Division Two of the twos and Finch and Jim Carr in the second eleven. Obviously, you've got a bit of a yeah, question that, to ask. I have, yeah. That, that, well, that was an odd one, really. I mean, uh, Finchley, Finchley and Indian Jim. Um, it was a, it was a tight game first up, and it was going right the way down to the wire. And um, going into the last over, Finchley had their last pair at the wicket, um, and um, I know that off the last three ball last. Four balls, they needed three to win. And so um, the third ball of the over, um, and, and I'll pose this question to you two to, to see what you, 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 know, you think should happen here. The guy runs in, the Indian gym bowler runs in, and he clips the bales with his hand. Um, and the ball still gets to the other end. It's not one of those ones where the ball goes you know, skew with miles in the wrong direction. It does, it's just still a legitimate delivery. And the Finchley batsman, it's it for three. Um, what's your call? What, what, what do you do? Um, I mean, Al, any thoughts? What, you, you, you know, you captain sides and I've captained plenty of sides in, in, in the time. What, what's your first instinct when that happens? I would gam- I'm sort of maybe 60% feel like that's a no ball. But mm-hmm. 
if the umpires if the umpires call the dead ball, I I I trust them. I'd leave it. I'd let it go. I think that's a, a fair call. Now I know I I know that Sal, you've done you did an umpiring course last winter, so you've probably got more more insight on on this than than, than me or Al. And I, I have to say, there's been a number of times in my playing career where I've just not known what should happen in particular circumstances. And you, p- people do play the game and they don't know the laws. And I find this in football as well. To be honest, it's amazing how many people you know get 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 laws cocked up. But this one, I think, it's a genuine quandary. So Sal, with your umpire's hat on, what should happen here? Yeah, okay. So as you mentioned, I did a course during the winter, and Alan is correct. It'll be a no ball, and obviously followed by the three runs afterwards. So it would have been four runs, and Finchie would have been, would would have won the game. But again, it's one of those ones the where I think it's been updated quite recently, so it can easily be obviously. I mean, it obviously came in June when Steve. It's Finch a Steve Finn rule, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's obviously called that, but it's, it's led by his actions, and um, it was brought up on after that. But again, it's, it's one of those ones, if you haven't really studied the laws of the game, then you're not going to be aware of it. But I was quite amazed that obviously 22 players and two officials, and again, umpire is not an easy job, so don't get me wrong here. I'm not giving any sort of discredit to the guys that go out there and do these games week in, week out. Um, between the 24 of them, you would have thought maybe one might have had some kind of inclination to what actually should happen here. But, you know, there we go. Well, I must admit, I should probably probably finish the story off, shouldn't I? So, so uh, I mean, it is a Steve, the Steve Finn rule, as I called it. So this was back in South Africa in 20. 20- 12 maybe um when he kept it in the stumps when he was following through and i think um that they had to make a decision as to whether it was a no ball or, or, or a dead ball and and the laws of cricket say it's a no ball so in those circumstances finchley won the game they got their three runs plus they got a no ball for good measure um but that's not what happened to finchley the, the, pe- people weren't sure they didn't know um and the umpires ultimately decided it was a dead ball so finchley were left still with four balls to get three runs and they didn't do it um they only got two so the, the game was was tied, and I spoke to the uh, the Finchley skipper uh, about this, and I have to say he was very, very you know very sort of honourable in, in 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 his take on it. He said, "Look, the, the bit that, um, that 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 interests him is that they were ninety eight for eight. I think they were miles away from getting the score, wow. and then suddenly they 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 had two batters who who did really well at the end to get them so close, and then the tables are turned. Then they think they should win." You know, needing four off three balls, so they were more annoyed with themselves for not getting four off three. Which I, you know, I think that's a, that, that's a nice, the nice honourable way of looking at it because, um, because yeah, it looks like people people didn't really know what was going on, and ultimately, um, ultimately got it wrong. If you want to be clear about it, but at the same time, you know, these things happen. These things happen, and I thought it was quite an intriguing, um, intriguing way to end end the game. So our first tie of the season, I think, uh, in in the Middlesex. County League. We also had a very quick game. Um, I'm not sure too many games have finished before 137, but Acton 2s against MTSSC 2s did. Um, Acton won by nine wickets and there was only 16 overs in the entire game. So if anyone knows of a quicker game this year, then by all means um, tell me. There was one other slightly odd dismissal, Sal, in in the league this week. I don't know if you want to lead on this one. Um, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, I can go. before you actually move on, so talk about tied games, actually. Shepherds Bush played Tottenham oh, yeah. this weekend, and then in the, the last two seasons, they've tied against each other twice. So, could it be a hat trick this year? Who knows? That could be an interesting well, to look I, out for. Well, last two seasons? Yeah, they've both that, tied that in, their, in, the, in the one day games. So, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so obviously, Saturday, um, I was watching a bit of cricket on, on pictures, as we do, and I saw the dismissal between the Twickenham Twos and Osley game. Where we've got mm. a very sort of honest, gen- generous batsman who walked, having edged the ball behind to the keeper, 
which was judged a wide by the umpire. Um, so I might, we might this actually is get a first, first-hand account on this from actually the person who actually was involved in the situation, Dan. Do you want to sort of fill us in a bit mm. more on this? Yeah, it was a bit of a mess, Al, to be honest. Um, lots of this lots of this sort of thing you couldn't really script and I've been out in some pretty damn odd ways through my career but um, this one sort of takes a biscuit yeah um, it was pretty dry at Twickenham Ostley got some good spinners and they opened with two medium paces so we sort of felt it was the best time to bat and um, that's not an excuse it's just a sort of explanation as to where we were so I did leave a few I do like a leave alone but there was one that was pretty wide it was pretty full and I thought I'm going to try and whack that um, I didn't I feathered it um, very, you know, very small feather straight behind Omar, but takes a catch and, and, and goes up for it. So but being a walker, and it's not a choice, just is, uh, took three steps to the, towards the pavilion at Twickenham Green and, um, and then sort of noticed that the umpire, poor old umpire, hadn't heard the feather and had turned round because he was at uh, what we would call the Hampton Road end. Um, and he turned round to the pavilion to give the wide. Now, I was batting at, at the other end, at the green spice end, if that means anything to anybody. Um, <laughs> and he couldn't see me. He had no idea I was walking because he's looking at the pavilion. And I thought, you, you have that split second in your head, what do you do now? And I thought, well, I, I can't stop. It's just, that's, just, that's just ludicrous. And if you're a walker, you're a walker. You know, there's a special place in hell for those people who say they're walkers, but only walk when they know the umpire's going to give them out. So I'm not, you know, got to go, got to go. And eventually, after what felt like about six hours, the umpire turned round to see, you know, Australian players are going bonkers in a, in a pretty <laughs> legitimate way. And, and he notices that I'm walking and, uh, and he says, ah, okay. And, and, and Julie rescinds his decision and I, uh, I trundle off to the, to the pavilion feeling. But, and of course, all of this is on goddamn pitch vision, isn't it? So if anybody wants to actually see it, then unfortunately you can. So, uh, so have a look at Twickenham's pitch vision if you want to see that, uh, that shambles unfold on, on Saturday. But, um, but it, was, it was quite interesting, Sal, to be honest, because the Austin players were, were very generous in saying, no, thanks for walking and stuff. But I felt like saying to it's not a choice, lads. <laughs> I, I didn't think, oh, yeah. I'm a great guy. I'm going to walk. It's <laughs> just what you do. It's just what you do. And um, particularly when you, I wasn't feeling too bad, Nick, and saying, oh, bloody hell, you know, away you go. But um, have you had anything as bonkers as this, Al, in, in your playing career where something similar has happened? No, I was just trying to think. I mean, I'll be honest, if I was in that situation, I'd be standing there lapping up the extra run, Dan. Mm, yeah, uh, I got that from my teammates, don't worry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I've, I've, I've saw once, and I can't remember the what the game was, if it was a friendly game or a tour game. I remember seeing a lad out handled ball. No, handled oh, no. I'm not sure how he was given out. He basically he chopped the ball down, um, and it sort of span backwards, and it was going to come down on his stumps, and he sort of put his hand on top of the bales to almost stop. I think he had a bit of a kind of brain freeze. Rather than push the ball away or hit the ball away, he put his hand on top of the bales to prevent oh. them being this when the ball hit the stump. Um, That's an odd one. He was, yeah, he was given out, and I can't. I actually can't remember if they gave him out handle ball or I assume obstructing the field would be the other one. Mm. But either way, he he was told to walk, and he really wasn't happy about it. And I don't think he had much of a leg to stand on. It's an interesting one. I mean, well, I had another one actually many years ago, and it wasn't it wasn't involving me, but it was involving my club. Where and Sal, I'd, I'd be intrigued to know what the official position on this is. Right, where our fifth eleven were playing at Wembley. 
And um, the two batters went out to open the batting. This is a, a guy called Andy Donlan who still plays with us now, and Gilly Sanchez, who's um, Gilly's still playing. He's not playing this year because of COVID concerns, but he must be 65. He's still going strong. And, and they went out to bat um, in the second innings at Wembley. And um, Donners was at his uh, non-striker's end, and, and Gilly was just about to take guard. And he said, and he just raised his hand, Gilbert, just can I have a quick word. And, and he said, Gilly, um, is there any reason you haven't got your pads on? And Gilly was like, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, he hadn't put his pads on the clown. And I, I love the way that our guy had walked all the way out to the middle with him and not told him. <laughs> but so, so he raced off to try and get his pads on. But the question that was asked at the time was, um, timed out, Sal. Now, is it three minutes from when he ran off the pitch? Or how does timed out work in a situation like that? To stress, he wasn't timed out. But there was lots of jokes about whether he could be. But what's the law on that? Good question, Dan. I'm not sure I can answer that. I mean, if he came back to bat without his pads on, or if, you know, if, he, if he was in the pavilion waiting to put his pads on and he took long enough for him, he could be out. But obviously he came out to bat ready to bat. So I'm not sure. But is, is that the same as a stoppage if he was injured, for instance? I don't know. Don't know. Um, well, to be honest, everybody was on the floor laughing. So there was no, there was no chance of any cricket yeah. being played. It was such a ridiculous moment. But, um, but yeah, timed out. No, I've never had a timed out, fellas. You have to appeal, obviously, don't you? Well, for that, obviously, you have to appeal. Oh, yeah, you do. So yeah. it has to appeal to be given out rather than the umpire gives yep. it out. So, again, it's about common sense, isn't it, really? I thought, I'm sure I'll be told if I was yep. on the course asking these questions. I remember the situation. I'm wondering if are pads optional or not, like a, in the way a helmet or a fire guard is optional or not? Because I remember a game, and it was... Admittedly, it was it was junior stuff. I think when we were about 14, 15, it was the under-17s at the time. They needed, I think they needed something like three to win off the last two balls. And the striker was ran out. Um, the striker was ran out heading towards the bowler for the single. Um so the next fella came into bat, non-striker's end, one ball left, they needed two to win. So he took his pads off before coming into bat on the basis he wasn't going to be facing the ball um, and it would make, allow him to run the two they needed quicker or the three they needed quicker. That's got to um, be fine, hasn't it? That's got to be fine. I can't see why you... I remember there was a really big hubbub about it um, and everyone getting involved, parents, umpires, scorers, everyone had an opinion. And I think they ended up letting him go without the pads. Um, I thought you were going to say that they, they let him go with one pad. <laughs> that was a compromise. That was a compromise. I seem to remember them hitting a four anyway, so it didn't, it didn't play out. But it would have been great if he had managed to run the three and just got in. Sal, we're giving you a bit of a battering with the laws of cricket tonight, but any thoughts no, you on that are, one well, pass? Well, well, like, they are optional, aren't they? Again, I can relate to, I mean, I know there was a, a guy who played in, in the MTCL called Gary Dutani who never wore gloves when he batted. I mean, he played all oh, the well, cricket, do that. Prim, yeah. Premier level, Premier division, do, do two very good cricket, a lovely guy. He never wore gloves. So is it almost the same situation? Um, do, do they come it under is. the same kind it, of head? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, it's got gloves. to be. I mean, I think they're mad, yeah, not so, wearing pads, but... <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I mean, in that case, I think it's, 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 it's a fair situation. From I'm sure we might be told wrong, Dan, who knows, but I'm going to go with yep. that being allowed. I'm very happy to be to be, to be told what, what, what the laws are there. But he goes, I mean, 
what we were saying before, you know, these odd incidents happen and it's part of part of the game's rich tapestry, isn't it? Um, folks, I, w- I was just going to move on, actually, to, to, to one or two bits of st- to, uh, stats, really. And I, I don't want to blast our, our listeners with, with loads of numbers, but um, we were talking last week about Tower Hamlets, as you mentioned earlier, Sal, and um, about their, their score and, and the fact that they, um, that they amassed, you know, this very impressive 410 for five. Well, that's actually the sixth highest score in the in the county league, Paul Smith's been in touch uh, since two thousand and one, and and I totally understand that the county league existed before two thousand and one, and there were um, you know uh, uh, some fantastic performances obviously before then, but we we only have rigorous statistics from two thousand and one, so that's sort of where we got we got no choice but to start from. Um, in the period then over the last nineteen years, the top score ever I, I hear is four hundred and forty six. And that was um, that was last year. Harrison Mary's two. Sal, I think you you remember this one, right? Yeah, from I think this was towards the end of the season, from what I remember. And I think um, yeah. Tom Pettit scored quite a few runs that day. He may have got a double hundred. I'm not sure entirely um, exact. I think he needed score, six. Yeah. yeah, I think he needed six off the last ball and got four. I think he got 198 or something like that. It, it was definitely okay. needed something off the last ball to get that double hundred. Yeah, well, it was definitely yeah. a big score. Four four six. Yeah, that's that's a that's a decent effort. Next up, just for the record, Kenton four hundred and forty. Kenton threes. That is four hundred and forty for five. They got that was in time cricket, not not overs cricket. That was twenty seventeen. And third up, Uxbridge. Uxbridge threes four hundred and thirty five for nine. That's in fifty overs. Um, and that was in uh, twenty twelve. So they're the top scores. So Tower Hamlets did pretty damn well last week, but they're not quite in the top three. So who knows if they can do it uh, uh, um, do it this week and and make make a dent on that. That leaderboard, um, guys. I was going to sort of just ask if there's any any more things you wanted to throw in here, Sal. Any any um, other tidbits of information yeah. we need to know? Just quickly, we've got the the League Cup um, final quarterfinals being played this weekend. So League ah, Cup we one, we have um, Ealing Richmond and Tennant and Twickenham, North Midlands yep. Finchley and Brondby Stanmore, and then in League Cup two, obviously North London are away at Hornsey, which should be an interesting time. Winchmore Hill, congratulations, who have gone through to the semi final. Haven't beaten Southampton, so they're waiting to see who wins out of Winfield and Harrow. And the winners of Hornsey and North London will play Tower Hamlets or Wickham House in the semi-finals. So yeah, so busy weekend for lots fantastic. of our clubs. Yep, fantastic. Al, are you playing on the Sunday as well? Are you playing in the cup game? I'll be playing on the Sunday. Yeah, um, I'm looking you forward know the to, that. to Hornsey. Yeah, you're, you're going to find it, right? It's not too difficult for you boys to, to, to find. Okay, just checking. Yeah, one one fence to scale, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. Actually, they um, obviously we want to try and put ourselves up against the teams in in, in Division Two, see how we compare. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And actually, we've ended up playing. I think this is the third Sunday in four we've ended up playing Hornsey because they've um, our NDL side played against them Sunday just gone, and then two Sundays previously. Um, and I, we've won one, they've won one. So potentially this settles the, settles the mini-series. This is the decider. Yeah. This is it. Excellent yeah. stuff. Ex- excellent stuff. Well, I hope you go well, mate. Best of luck with that and best Thank of you. luck for the rest of the season. We will no doubt hear more of um, how, how you get on via Sal and hopefully we can get you back on the pod um, at, at a later date to, to get the full lowdown there. Particularly, you know, I'm very intrigued with that last game because it, be, it could be, you know, a, a real knicker gripper against Wickham House. So best of luck moving forward. Dan, very, very quickly, South before we head up, we finish off, yes. very quickly, just to let you know, I've got the scorecard up from that um, Harris St. Mary's game, and Tom Pettit actually scored 299 that day. Not out. Oh, so it was the 300 he missed out on? 
Yeah, so th- their final score obviously was four four six for five for four, sorry, and he was in two nine nine not out. Wow, I I knew he was not far away from a, a round number, but I think he nearly three hundred runs. That 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 would have been. Um, that has to be the highest score ever in the league. Paul, are you listening? Paul Smith, um, that's our question this week. What's the highest individual batting scores in all divisions in the it. league? Well, yeah, but you can't have anyone who scored more than 299. I haven't scored that in, you know, it took me two years to score that once. Um, <laughs> but there we go. Um, guys, always a pleasure. We'll, uh, we'll catch up again next week. Cheers, Dad. Cheers, folks. Bye. Podcast Network.